welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. Prefacing the reading of the gospel, recall the words you are about to hear take place after the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle of Jesus. Then the miracle within the miracle, Jesus sent the disciples across Galilee uh, in a boat. He remained behind. The crowd saw it. During the night a storm arose. He walked to the disciples on the sea and immediately they were at the distant shore. Then the following takes place in the Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were beside the sea, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it, and believe in you. What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Hi. Hi. There exists only a very small interval of times between a gift, a gift, and a sense of entitlement. Okay? Human nature is like that. Human nature often leaves very little room in between those two to reflect upon Gratitude. Gratitude. Hmm? 
there exists often too short an interval between a gift, a pure gift, and a sense of entitlement. Between the twin shores where Jesus on the one had fed 5,000 one night, and after that, recall, a crowd cornered Jesus for uh, more food the next morning, lies more than troubled waters. Okay? That stormy deep was the precise distance, I'm going to suggest, between the gift and the sense of entitlement that seems to rise its head up uh, in the second part of this miracle account in John's Gospel. On the one shore, they were fed, pure gift. On the other, they expected more. Jesus, in the meantime, was thus reduced to the means to an end, getting what you wanted or what you thought you needed. After the feeding of 5,000, you know, it's John's gospel, not Mark or the other evangelists, who provides for us this fascinating insight into the people's response to one of Jesus' most powerful of miracles. The crowd's reaction to the miracle was not faith, nor was it gratitude. The crowd's reaction in the face of receiving this miracle by the one sent by God was to see it as an opportunity to get even more, to get what can be got. From five loaves and two fish came an extravagant meal, extravagant in the sense uh, that those used to eating only enough to stave off hunger were able to instead fill themselves to the brim with bread and fish, food, with baskets to spare. And then seizing, seeing and seizing the opportunity that could represent that their good fortune, what did they do? If you'll recall, they wanted to take Jesus by force and make him their king, to proclaim him their king. Maybe to even get him under their control. Okay. They thought, I suspect, Jesus should be flattered that they would declare him king, when in fact, they saw their own opportunity uh, above everything else. And as a result, what does Jesus do? He sends the disciples away uh, across Galilee in the boat before the storm rises. He sends them away, and Jesus then goes off by himself. Okay? He goes off by himself. And what I envision in this is a deeply saddened Jesus. Okay? As he sent the disciples away, Jesus, sad and tired, what did he do? He secluded himself, perhaps to reflect upon just what kind of people he had been sent to save. Did the Father realize what they were really like? How they could be so blind and be so quick to turn everything into opportunity. How can people not see what God had done through that miracle, I suspect, is what Jesus had in his mind? And sad, I think he was sad. But like the ragman, if you were with us a few weeks ago, Jesus had to press on. Jesus had to press on, for he could see that out there on Galilee's lake, a storm was rising, a storm was rising. And Jesus knew the disciples were not equipped to deal with it. 
they were in peril. So he went to them. Calming the storm, Jesus joined the twelve. The twelve literally is the embryo of the church in the womb of that boat. Jesus was with them, and they immediately found themselves on the far shore. Where today's gospel lesson takes place. Feign surprise. Ah, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus sees through, uh, through that feigned surprise immediately. And I observe there is something about ingratitude that we experience in people, such as Jesus experienced when he encountered the crowds who raced back across Galilee for the opportunity of perhaps getting more bread. There is something about ingratitude that befouls people, doesn't it? It's one thing to receive a gift. It's quite another to be ungrateful for it. Ungrateful people always seem to want more. They want more. The ungrateful are never satisfied. Yet the more they are given, the more ingrates seem to demand. And this inevitably leads to a sense of entitlement. Where gifts become rights. And we today are the most rights-obsessed people of all time, are we not? How often do you hear it? It's my right. It's my right. Your right by what origin, I often wonder. In the troubled water that lies between the gift and a sense of entitlement, the giver becomes reduced to a mere object, just a thing, to deliver things. The giver is for dispensing good things to me because I have a right. The recipient becomes, well, in theological terms, godlike. Huh? Everything is about them. That modern expression, it's all about you, isn't it? Uh, okay, yes, it is, if we're honest. The entitled becomes a god, a demigod, to whom everything is owed. And to deny them anything is an offense of the highest order. To view the world thus, to view your life thus, is sacrilege at best, idolatry at worst. And so we go back to the text, and you can hear them. Teacher, when did you get here? They knew he had not left on the boat, and they knew there were no other boats, and yet there he was. Teacher, when did you get here? The question dripped with insincerity and also smacks of a hidden agenda, doesn't it? For the truth was revealed just a bit later when the people nudged Jesus. Sometimes, you know, you need to nudge a little bit. After Jesus speaks of the living bread, they say to him, well, okay, all that aside, what miracle will you perform for us so that we might see it and believe in you? After all, as if to say, Last night, well, that was last night, we're hungry again. Jesus answered, seeing what was taking place, that which had saddened him, I'm telling you the truth, you are looking for me because you ate the bread and had all you wanted, not because you understood my miracle. In other words, 
The more the crowd got, the more they wanted. But the crowd wanted that which could never, in the end, satisfy them. They were still lost. Again, once again, Jesus tries to pierce that real human darkness, okay? And the people tried, oh, how they tried. I think they tried. They were not bad. They were just sinful. They were blind. They were sheep without a shepherd. They were so many analogies you could use. The people tried to rise above the rumbling in their belly, the way alcoholics try not to drink, and addicts not to use, and cheaters not to cheat. You can try, not likely to succeed. So Jesus cautioned them. He said, look, do not work for the things that spoil and go bad on you. Rather, labor to have that which will never be taken from you. And upon hearing that, they asked, well, what might that be? Okay, they lived in the moment. What might that be? Is there anything better than a full stomach? Particularly among a people who knew what it was to starve. There is, Jesus said. (laughs) There is. You see, what God wants you to do is to believe in the one he sent. Now, the response was not, well, Lord, we believe. What was it? It was, perform another miracle for us. Then maybe we'll believe. They wanted to control it all. And here, John, only in John's gospel, where the, the other gospel writers, the other evangelists, uh, you know, where they spend time talking and, and showing us Jesus at the Last Supper, Okay, right, right. Last Supper? John doesn't go there. There's no Last Supper account in John's Gospel. None. He doesn't mention it. Rather, John has Jesus go into this sermon, uh, this ser- extended sermon, wherein he begins to speak of himself as the bread of life. Okay? Not bread in the physical sense. They, he had to change their way of thinking. He had to... They had to be born from above, to use another Johannine kind of phrase. He had to change the way they were thinking. They were thinking about bread as just something I eat and tomorrow I'm hungry again. Not bread in the physical sense, like Moses, he said, fed. But yet, rather, Jesus said they had to see beyond. They had to see through, right, through the window, through the portal of the miracle to the kingdom of God that rests beyond. He wanted them to see that. They wanted them to see and understand who he was. Okay, He wanted them to see and understand who he was. Jesus said he was the living bread for the soul because if you are human, not only your body has to be fed, but if you want to be truly human, your soul has to be fed as well. Uh, But alas, in spite of some of the most remarkable teaching words in the New Testament, Those people preferred satisfying their physical hunger to Jesus' spiritual bread, whatever he was talking about. And the people could not make, they were unable to make that crucial leap of faith. They couldn't get from the one shore to the other. They were stuck in the troubled water of that storm, the storm of life. 
John goes on to write then, because of this, that inability of which I speak, many of Jesus' followers turned back and would not go with him anymore. In response, Jesus turns to the twelve, as you might expect. The multitude did not understand the crowds who sought him only out of opportunity to get a free lunch. Many of them turned away because he began talking too, too hard. Too hard. The words were too hard that he was the living bread that came down from heaven and that they should eat that bread. And they, they could not make that leap of faith. And they turned away, John says. So what does Jesus do? Who does he turn to? The 12. He says, what about you guys? Huh? What about you? Do you want to quit too? Am I getting too hard even for you to hear? And it was Peter. <laughs> God love Peter, right? Peter, just like us, at moments capable of great lofty things and at other moments capable of things that which absolutely shame and embarrass us. This Peter, this Peter, who could be the first to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, is the same one who denied him three times. This Peter who said, Lord, bid me walk to you on the water. He's the same one Jesus called Satan right after he said he was the Messiah, the son of the living God. This Peter, okay? He is the one who in the Garden of Gethsemane happened to have a sword and deployed it in defense, he thought, of the Lord. Strikes off the slave's ear. He was gone for more than an ear, I guarantee you. This was Peter. This was us, huh? Peter says to him on this occasion, in one of his, his noble moments, rather than one of Peter's shameful moments, when Jesus said, do you want to quit me too? Peter says, they quote, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. <laughs> well, you add an hallelujah or two to that, and you have the gospel acclamation that you folks just sang, don't you? How about that? You see, there's only a short distance between the gift and a sense of entitlement and dangerous waters in between. Between the twin shores where Jesus fed the multitude one night and they cornered Jesus for more food the next morning lies more than troubled water. Between those shores lies unbelief. That dark, choppy, dangerous place. Unbelief. That stormy, deep peril is the precise distance between the two shores. On one shore, eat your Phyllis gift, and on the other, always demanding more, where Jesus was reduced to a means to an end, giving the people what the people wanted. He entertained them, and they thought it was their right somehow. I pray that never be so among you. Okay? Be like the disciples. Live your lives, no matter the circumstances, whether good fortune or bad. But live your lives from a perspective of gratitude. Gratitude. That spiritual food will not be taken from you. Okay? Live your lives by faith. That was the leap that they could not make. That is the living bread, which is the very essence of Jesus Christ. And so we as a church come today. We are fed with words 
with bread, with wine. Eat and be satisfied. That's what will never be taken from you. Receive the sacrament and be grateful. I invented a word, gratifilled. Okay, gratifilled. It means filled with gratitude. And by it, by it, you will be able to walk the troubled water of life. Be gratifilled. Live between those two shores because that's where you're going to find Jesus. Okay? That's where you're going to find him in the stormiest of your nights. Walking right along beside you. Feeding you that you'll never be hungry. And that your doubts and fears might never overcome you. How cool is that? That's the difference between receiving a gift and somehow feeling from there on you're entitled to it and even more. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.